0: You're listening to the Truth in Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth in Boots podcast. We have been going through a pretty long series on the reliability of the Bible, and I hope that it's been an encouragement to you that your faith is founded on something solid. Today is the last episode in that series, and we'll be discussing the topic of, is the Bible full of contradictions? It's a common accusation, and... um, According to one survey that I saw, um, this was a survey of 20 to 30 year olds, those adults said that 44% of them did not view the Bible as true and accurate. And then they were asked to give reasons why. 24% of them said, well, the Bible was written by man, 15% said the Bible contradicts itself, 14% said that science shows the Bible's account of creation is wrong, and 11% said the Bible had errors. And then there were other reasons um, for the rest of it. But that kind of shows you how the fact that the Bible is true is questioned, even amongst um, those who believe that who claim to believe the Bible. Um, you hear Christians saying, yes, the Bible's true, but I don't believe this and this and this that it says. Or yes, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian, but really you can't believe all of it. Um, I hope that throughout the series I've addressed some of those clearly for you. But like I said today, we're going to d- discuss the topic of, is the Bible full of contradictions? So with anything that um, you try to study in the Bible, it's imperative that you first look at God, because every doctrine is built upon the foundation of who our God is. And so if you want to believe the Bible is infallible, well, you first have to say, why? Why is it infallible? And that is because God cannot do wrong or make mistakes. His character doesn't allow it. The Bible teaches that God is holy. It's not possible for him to do any wrong or evil. Leviticus 19, 1-2 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak ye unto all the congregation of the children of israel and say unto them ye shall be holy for i the lord your god am holy god says i'm holy now the definition some people have varying definitions but it's all agreed that holiness means without sin blameless um god cannot do wrong So to say that the Bible is full of errors and to say that the Bible came from God means that you believe God can do wrong. He can make a mistake, which, of course, is not what the Bible teaches. Secondly, God is omniscient. That means God knows everything. So if God knows everything, he can't make a mistake. You and I walk out the door all the time without our coat, realizing later in the day, we should have brought it because I'm cold now, or now it's raining, I walked out without my umbrella. We can't see the future. God can. He knows what should happen, what needs to happen. He knows what you and I are going to think. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God can't make a mistake because he knows everything. Third, God is omnipotent. That means he has power. I mean, he has all the power in the universe. He can do anything he wants. So if God is all powerful, that means he can't fail in whatever he chooses to do. Job 42, one through two says, then then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. If whatever God chooses to do, he can do, and if God chooses to give the truth in his word and then preserve it for us, who can thwart the intentions of God? So if you're saying the Bible has errors, either copying errors that we now have that are totally changing the content of the Bible, or that it has contradictions and therefore, obviously something is wrong, you're saying God was not all powerful. And I'm just going to stop with the fourth. You can go on to many different attributes of God, characteristics of God, but I'm going to stop with He is sovereign. He chose to give us His word so He can ensure that what He holds in our hands today is His word. Isaiah 46, 8-11 through 11 says, Remember this and stand fir- firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. God's all-knowing. From ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish my purpose. Calling the bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will do it. God is sovereign. Whatever he wants to do will happen. So the Bible came from God. It says that. God can't do wrong or make mistakes. He knows everything. He is all powerful. He's in complete control. So his written word cannot be in error. Now I'm going to get more practical. There are two main reasons that people, um, claim that the Bible has a contradiction. Either that person doesn't understand true Bible doctrine, or that person doesn't understand the passage correctly in its context. So I'm going to quickly go through a whole bunch of examples of this. There are way too many logical fallacies for me to address. Um, If you go out there and look at lists, um, there are dozens of, well not dozens, hundreds upon hundreds of lists with anywhere from dozens to hundreds of examples of contradictions in the Bible. Um, So since there's so many of them, I obviously don't have time to go through all the different logical fallacies. And then from there, all of the examples of contradictions that people come up with. So I'm just going to do a few. The first one that I want to address is The logical fallacy of different use of terms. For example, a man can be both a bachelor and married at the same time. If you say the man is married to his job, the word married can have various different meanings to it, so it is not wrong for a man to be both a bachelor and married at the same time if you take married to his job as um, the implication there. This is shown in Romans chapter four, when the Bible says Abraham is justified by faith. But then in James chapter two, the Bible says Abraham is justified by works. If you look at the passage in context, you see that, Romans 4 is talking about being justified before God, and James 2 is talking about Abraham being justified before man. So they're using the same term there, but in two different ways, two different contexts. So it isn't a contradiction. The second logical fallacy is a false dilemma. Um, this means that there isn't really a, a, a problem, a contradiction, once you understand that you are actually speaking about the same thing. For example, Reuben. Genesis 35, 22 through 23 says, Reuben is the son of Jacob. Someone may come back and say, well, wait a second. Genesis 46, 8 says, Reuben is the son of Israel. Well, when you understand that both Jacob and Israel are the same guy, that makes perfect sense because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So false dilemma. There really isn't a problem once you understand you're actually speaking about the same thing. The third logical fallacy, a sweeping generalization. Generalization. Certain passages in the Bible are not meant to be hard and fast rules, but rather principles of how things generally should work. Proverbs is a great example. Proverbs 10.1 um, in particular says, a wise man makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Well, that's really good principle. Honor thy father and my mother, right? But the child should not do that in certain circumstances. If the father is an alcoholic that enjoys beating his family, then a wise son would not encourage his father and approve of his father. Like Proverbs 10, 1 says, a wise son makes glad father. He does not want this alcoholic abuse to keep going. And... Therefore, a wise son would not support that. And this is also um, supported by the Bible. Yes, you're supposed to um, honor the father and the mother, but in another passage, extensively through the Proverbs and um, other passages in the Bible, drunkenness is condemned and abusiveness is condemned. So it's not a contradiction. It's a sweeping gener- generalization to say that, okay, a son must always make his father glad. No. God's standards and God's um, commands must be upheld first. Another logical fallacy, fallacy is um, problems that arise from translational issues. We read the Bible in our own cultural mindset and our own language, which is not the cultural mindset or language that was um, it was originally written in. Um, So, there are passages in the Old Testament and New Testament that you scratch your head going, what in the world were they talking about? Why in the world is Ruth laying next to Boaz and putting his cloak over her feet? I mean, that makes no sense in our context. But if I'm remembering my, um, my, um, history correctly, that, that had a very significant meaning in that context of the day. Um... Another example would be John 21. A translational issue with language would be Jesus' conversation with Peter about love. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Peter responds three times, you know I love you, Lord. Well, that passage is so confusing. If you don't realize in the original Greek, Christ is saying one word, of love and peter is saying another christ i think if i remember correctly saying do you agape me and peter says i phileo you so the passage finally makes sense once you was st- understand in the original language it was different words and it's only one word in our english language um another logical fallacy a contradiction of inference This happens when you infer something, you imply something, not imply, you, you come to a conclusion from something, jump to a conclusion when the text really doesn't state it. Example, Matthew 2 says that Mary and Joseph took Jesus to Egypt but Luke 2 indicates that when they left Bethlehem, they took Jesus to Jerusalem and then to Nazareth. The texts do not state that these two events happened at the same time. That is an inference, that is a, an assumption that you can jump to. Probably what happens was since the wise men's visit was up to two years later than Christ's birth. Mary and Joseph probably left Bethlehem for Jerusalem, did their um, sacrifice that God commands of them, then go back to Nazareth. And then a year up to two years later, they're back in Bethlehem again, living in a house when the wise men come. That's when Herod decides he wants to kill everyone under two, every young boy under two years old in Bethlehem. And that's when Joseph takes his family and flees to Egypt. That is a very logical possibility. We don't have all the details stated in the Bible, but just because one passage says one thing and the other passage says the other thing and they don't state that they are mutually exclusive, don't assume that they are. A second example is when one passage lists that a man came to Christ, but another passage states that two men came to Christ. With the four Gospels, you have varying accounts of events. Just like when there's an accident, the policemen you know, talk to all the witnesses and they all have a slightly different way of seeing the incident and of describing it, but that doesn't mean what they saw was wrong. So it's like saying, okay, Sally came to my house for dinner last Friday but neglecting to say that her family came with her. It's not wrong to say that Sally came to dinner last Friday. And it's not wrong to say that five people, Sally, her husband, her three kids came to dinner. So neither is it an error when one gospel says a man came to Christ and talked to him or two men came to Christ and talked to him just one is deciding to leave out the other in the context of their story. The last logical fallacy that I want to address is the alleged factual contradiction. This is what happens when either a passage is misconstrued, i.e. twisted, or that the person brings in a secular quote-unquote fact to compare to the Bible. For example, Psalm 96.10 says that The world, it shall also be established, it shall not be moved. Some people have claimed that this is where the geocentric theory came from, that the Bible taught it, that, see right here, the Bible says the earth cannot be moved. It is stationary, i.e. the world goes around, uh, the sun goes around the world and not the earth goes around the sun. Well, this is totally twisting the passage. The passage actually is talking about God being the judge and ruler of the world. Uh, Verse 9 of Psalm 96 says, I worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world shall also be established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Um, let the field be joyful and all that is therein. That Then shall all the trees of the world rejoice before the Lord. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. The world is established. The authority structure, the way the world is set up, it is established, it is firm. God is in control. He is going to judge, not mankind. That is what the passage is speaking about. Not that the earth is the center of the universe and the sun rotates around the earth. So when you actually read the full passage in context, it is clear that it's a misconstruction another example um, would be when secular people try to bring in evolutionary thoughts to the bible um and or other science facts that they then compare to scripture and say see the bible doesn't teach this or see the bible doesn't teach that well if you're starting with a secular fact, quote unquote, and comparing it to the truth of the Bible, then of course they're not going to agree. But that does not mean the Bible is in error. It's just you're choosing to um, bring man's logic higher than the authority of the Bible. So there's a lot more Contradictions out there. There's a lot more logical fallacies out there which I have not addressed. If you want to learn more about the logical fallacies or even see some of the contradictions and answers to them, I highly recommend um, the books Demolishing Supposed Bible Contradictions, Volumes 1 and 2. Um, Ken Ham is one of the authors. He's kind of like the editor and the main author of it. And that is where I um, got most of these logical fallacies. Um, and he has a great explanations in there of more of them. And then those books go contradiction by contradiction. They just pick a handful of them and address them according to scripture. Um, if you don't want to buy the books, they are available on um hoopla i think if you use that free library app um but if you don't want to buy the books then i highly recommend creation.com or answers in genesis yes the creation organizations but since they're dedicated to proving the reliability of the bible that the bible's speaks truth the bible's account of creation is the truth um there are many 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 articles on there addressing alleged contradictions in the bible Um, So that would be a great web resource for you. In addition, um, in preparing for this podcast, I went out and looked up lists of contradictions and found one by the atheist association of america i asked my husband hey do you mind spending time to actually write answers to each of these contradictions so coming out over the next few days on truthandboots.com is going to be a series of blog articles i'm chopping them up because it is such a lengthy undertaking um but go there if you want to see more examples of contradictions and how the truth the Bible actually is truth. They're not it's not a contradiction in the first place. So, the Bible is true. The survey I referenced at the beginning saying that people think that the Bible was written by man, that the Bible contradicts itself, that science shows the Bible's account of creation is wrong, that the Bible has errors in it, that show that people don't really understand what the Bible says. They don't believe it's truth. I have addressed in this series on the reliability of the Bible the fallacy that man wrote it. Go back and listen to the episode on the reliability of the Bible, evidence from Scripture. In there, I talk that the Bible came from God, not the ideas of man. I've demonstrated to you that we've had the Scripture preserved to us in manuscript form, in translation, in um, even the English translations over the years. Man didn't write the Bible. It came from God. I've addressed the fallacy that the Bible has errors, God preserved His Bible, we can still claim to have His Word in our hands, and there are no contradictions in it. I have demonstrated that the Bible's prophecies did come true about Christ. I've demonstrated that archaeology supports the Bible's claims, not denies it. I have not had time or the space to explore Bible's account of creation. So like I said, go to um, those two websites I mentioned, but there's also two more. Um, if you go to the truthandboots.com and the resources page, there's a section for science and four different organizations you can go to to get answers about science and the Bible. But ultimately you either have to accept that all of the Bible is true Or you have to reject it in favor of your own logic, reasoning, and desires. So what is it going to be? Will you submit yourself to the reliability and authority of God's word? If you do claim that you believe the Bible is true in its entirety, do you act like it? Do you read it daily? If it really is the source of your faith, And what you rely upon for your salvation, do you revere it? Is it important to you? Now, if that is something you're not quite sure about, if you're like, okay, yes, I believe it, but I'm not spending the time in it that I should, go back to the episode on Bible study. There, Krista Threlfall and I address the importance of reading your Bible and some practical things that you can use to get started. And finally, when you're discussing the Bible with other people, and they come up with a new argument saying that the Bible isn't true because of this, don't waver. Don't doubt. You have a reliable foundation. If you go back and read the scriptures yourself, you will see that it is true. The Bible is reliable.